It is good to be here with you this morning. If you are new, if you're visiting with us, uh, welcome. My name is Ronnie. I'm one of the pastors here at Substance. Love you to turn to Gospel of John chapter 15. If you have a device, uh, we're device friendly here. And you can go uh, English Standard Version ESV so that you can stay tracking with us. John 15. So we are at this place in in the book of John where Jesus is is with his disciples. It's the night before his death. And he he has some things to say. And he wants to communicate some things to them. And over the last few weeks, we've been getting the heart of Jesus for his disciples, which of course is Jesus' heart for us. And if you notice one particular thing that is characteristic of Jesus, it's actually characteristic of what we might even say is the theme of the entire Bible is that Jesus wants to get close to us. Jesus wants to get close to you. And again, for, you know, that, that just sounds like something that, you know, I, you know, you get the pastor up there says that, it goes in one ear and out the other. But when you think about the depths that Jesus is trying to communicate that to these men who are just gonna, it, it, like within hours are gonna be all scattered and running around and not knowing what's going on, not knowing where Jesus is, seeing Jesus die, not understanding all these things that he's been saying to them for the last three years. I mean, you just described my life in 53 years, right? And yet we see here in these words of Jesus that he's trying to remind them that he's close. He's close to them. And what's interesting about that is that's probably different than our experience with almost everybody else in our lives. Because everybody else in our lives, even at best, needs a little distance every once in a while, right? I mean, you know, the people I love, I love them, right? And I'm with them. I don't want to look at my wife right now. I'm with them a lot, right? But, you know, there, there's, there's moments, right, where you, you need to back away a little bit. You need to have some distance. We live in a world that uh, we're fearful about people that may not be drawn to us, that may kind of push back against our personalities, or we get the sense that, hey, you know, they, they, you know, they, they want to hang out with us, they want to develop a relationship, but it has limitations, because it has limitations. And then we see Jesus here who's coming to his disciples and saying, what you got to understand about what I'm communicating to you here is that every step of the way, there's never a moment where I don't want to be close and I'm not close with you. And that is just so different than the way we understand all human relationships, which is that there's limitations and we need space and all those things that actually kind of contribute to a good relationship. And we see here that it's, it's different with Jesus. It's constant closeness. And we're going to see him kind of really kind of teasing that out for for us and what that means this morning as we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 15. This is what he says. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, 
that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And he says in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And this is the word of the Lord. And what we see here, if we could just summarize this in a sentence, what we see here from these words of Jesus to his disciples is that a true disciple is a person who abides in Jesus. And not only that, but he'll give evidence of that by bearing fruit that abides, abiding fruit as well. So Jesus gives us an example here of a vine dresser. He gives us an example of a vine. He gives us the example of a branch to help us understand what it looks like to be a person who abides in him. And Jesus begins by identifying himself as the true vine. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now Israel, if you go through scripture, they have been called God's vine all the way through scripture. But when Jesus came, he represented the true vine the genuine vine, because he bore the fruit that Israel had failed to bear time and time again throughout their, just their scattered history, right? So Jesus is making the case. He's saying everyone who is attached to himself, the true vine, will bear the same fruit that he bore. So being attached to Jesus, we find here, is the only way that we are able to abide, to abide in him. And so I want to attempt to answer uh, three questions that I think our passages here answer to help us understand what it means to abide in Jesus. The first question is this, what does it mean to abide in Jesus, right? It's not a word we use every day. You know, I, I mean, I don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, babe, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm just abiding today. I'm just feeling like I'm abiding, right? It's not, not part of our, our common, maybe just for you guys, it's not part of our common language. I like the way John Piper, who is a, he's an author, he's a theologian, uh, he describes, defines abiding as this. He says, receiving all that God is for us in Christ. So John Piper would say receiving, abiding is receiving all that God is for us in Christ, right? So abiding in Jesus, it means growing in godliness because we are attached to Christ, and we develop a steadfastness that comes with that permanent attachment, right? Because later on in the passage, we just read, we didn't choose him, he chose us. So he brought us, and he attached us to him so that we are now in Christ, right? So we grow in godliness because we are attached to Christ, and we develop a steadfastness, right? that comes with that permanent attachment. Now, whenever I leave the house for the day, 
I stuffed the front pocket of my backpack with chargers for my phone and my computer, right? You guys probably do the same thing. At some point, my devices are inevitably going to become low on power and they're just gonna need to be plugged in so that they don't die. Um, actually, I think it's funny that this is the language we use for our devices, if you think about it, right? My phone died, right? My computer, what's, what's going on with your computer? Oh, it died, right? Like we're gonna have funerals you know, for them at some point, right? Um, why, why are they dead? Why is your device not working anymore? Well, because they're not plugged in to receive the power that they need to function. Your, your phone and your computer are not independent. They're, they're not self-perpetuating devices, right? If they're, if they're not connected by a charger to an outlet, they're actually just super expensive hunks of metal and plastic, right? I mean, you guys all have compute. We have, you know, we have a couple of laptops from like 20 years ago and they just kind of said, why do we even have those, by the way? Can I ask you that right now, babe? Because, um, you know, when you get rid of them, you're like, we might need that thing on there that we never end up needing. But they're just sitting there. They're worthless. You know, they're, they've, been, they've been gone for years. They are not attached to a charger connected to an outlet, right? Um, now, none of you are super expensive hunks of metal and plastic. Maybe some of you in some unique ways, depending on the surgeries that you've had, all right? I, I spoke too soon when I just said that. But you do require attachment, right? So the analogy stands. I'm going to stand by that analogy. You require attachment to Jesus so that you are able to flourish in your relationship with Jesus so that the power that he provides through his word, by his spirit, it doesn't diminish in you. You're not running at a low, right? Jesus says in verse 4, he says, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So to abide in Jesus means you are you're receiving spiritual power. You are receiving spiritual nutrients that you can only get by being attached to Jesus, which is how you grow in greater and greater godliness. You're not an independent person. Oh, man. I like to think of myself as independent, but you're not really an independent person. You're not self-perpetuating. You can't even go a few days without water, you know? You can barely go that long without food. They're, they're, you all need to be connected to something that's going to give you the physical nutrients that you require to actually live and breathe and function. And it's the same thing in terms of your spiritual growth. You need to be attached so that you have the nutrients and the power. You can experience spiritual health. You can experience emotional health unplugged and apart from Jesus. I mean, as long as my Mac is plugged in, it, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. The minute it's unplugged, it begins to decline. It begins to lose power, which is why I have to make sure I'm near an outlet, right? If I can't find an outlet, there's no way that I'm going to be able to bring my computer back to life. An outlet is the only way for my computer to abide with me, right? So that answers the question of what does it mean to abide in Jesus? John Piper said, receiving all that God is for us in Christ, which means growing in godliness because we are attached to Christ. And as we're attached to Christ, we develop a steadfastness, a consistency, a growth pattern, that comes with that permanent attachment. Here's our second question that we want to unpack. 
What does God do to ensure that we remain abiding in Jesus? Well, number one, I'm super happy to move on from that computer illustration because that was already getting dull for me. Um, But this is what Jesus says here. Jesus describes God the Father as the vine dresser. Another another word for that would be God is the gardener. God the gardener, right? And even though I'm not a gardener, um, my wife is, Melissa is, which means I know that a good gardener is someone who prunes their garden. It's like, Ronnie, I feel like you're so basic this morning. I know, it's just, it's what the passage is here. But a good gardener is someone who prunes their garden. They remove whatever might be there to hinder the health and the growth of their flowers and their plants and their their vegetables. If something is not producing, Melissa removes it. But she prunes everything that is producing so that it keeps producing, right? Now, it might look scary when Melissa grabs those pruners and heads to the garden, but it's actually an act of love. I'm, I'm sure it doesn't feel great, right? If vegetables could talk, they'd probably be like, here comes the murder lady with her sharp <laughs> tools, you know? I can just, you know, you can, hear a, you can hear a vegetable sometimes scream out in fear, crying out in fear, right? But it is for the sake of bearing healthy fruit that pruning is so necessary, right? That's why she does it. So if a good gardener prunes for the sake of better fruit, how much more will our good father, the gardener, prune us spiritually so that we might bear more spiritual fruit? And you know, at different times in your life, this is going to feel like trial and testing. At different seasons of your life, it's going to feel kind of relentless. You know, sometimes Christians describe what's going on in their lives as saying, I'm just going through a very pruning time in my life. I feel like the Lord is disciplining me. I feel like he's testing me. I feel like he's removing things from me. I feel like he's cutting things away from my life that I've kind of grown attached to. But the problem is that they've grown attached to me and it's inhibiting my growth. And the, the Lord is doing something and it hurts and I don't like it. But I know because he's a good father and because he's, a, he's the vine dresser that Jesus talks about here, he's not doing anything flippantly, but he's doing something necessary so that I can be a disciple who is bearing much fruit. So if the father's goal is, is fruit, then you can be assured that whatever you're facing is never for nothing. And maybe you're in a moment like that right now where you just feel like, I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like the hand of God is just bearing down on me. And you might even describe it as saying, nothing's going right. Everything that I attempt keeps flipping and flopping, falling on its face. I feel like I'm losing things that I worked a long time to try to gain or get or develop. And it just feels like things are being taken from me. And those are difficult, incredibly difficult moments in our lives when the father is doing some pruning in them. But it's never for nothing. It's never for nothing. These moments are used by God to keep you attached to Jesus so that you don't become a dead branch, right? So you, become, so you remain a fruit-bearing branch instead of being a dead branch. Paul says it like this in uh, uh, Colossians 1, 
9 through 11. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. He's writing a letter to the church, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to, listen to this, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good word, work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and for all patience with joy. Like what's the method behind those things so that they can actually happen? Is the father coming in and pruning those areas in your life that are going to weaken your attachment to Jesus? It's a painful thing, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So you might be in a season of pruning right now. It might be a painful season. It might be debilitating. But it also comes with the knowledge of God's will for your life, which is to draw you closer to Jesus. So Jesus is telling these disciples, I'm going to just keep moving closer to you. And guess what? It's a group project between myself, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father acts as a gardener. He acts as a vine dresser. He removes those things that actually keep you from being as close to me and as attached to me as you need to be so that you grow as a person who is giving proof that you are somebody who has found life in me. We've been watching this show, um, shocker guys, we've been watching this show called The Quarterback on Netflix. And it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a documented chronicling Patrick Mahomes and Marcus uh, Mariota and Kirk Cousins. I had to rehearse those names. Um, actually, I love sports docs and, you know, just don't like watching the games. Um, but I like watching the players. I'm fascinated by the players. I'm more of a people guy than a game guy. And, um, but there was something interesting that happened a couple of episodes ago. And uh, when they were, they were kind of chronicling, you know, Kirk Cousins' life and his training and his head coach, Kevin O'Connell, uh, at one point, you know, Kirk got really upset. He started making some moves on his own, right? And Kevin O'Connell had to say, hey, buddy, I need you to stay close to me. Don't act independently. Don't do that. I'm only here to help you, but you need to trust me even when it hurts. Because remember, my job is to stay connected to you so that you can be the best quarterback that you can be. You can perform to the benefit of this team and, and to yourself as well, right? Kurt needed to let his head coach strip away anything that was going to prevent him from flourishing as, you know, quarterback for, for the Vikings. And we, we see this all through scripture. We see that the Lord is acknowledging that that pruning time in our lives as disciples who need to be attached to Jesus and need to be bearing fruit, there has to be a mechanism out there. There has to be moments out there. There has to be seasons out there where, where the Father is just kind of stripping away those things that are jacking all that up, right? Je turn to the book of James. You want to make a hard right. Um, James talks about this. At the beginning of James chapter 1, when he goes, look, he goes, verse 2, he goes, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, if you just stop there, you'd say, James, I, I don't like where you're going with this. And you sound weird to say that because I don't know that I can count anything joy that has to do with experiencing a trial. But he says this in verse 3, for you know 
that the testing of your faith produces something. It produces steadfastness. And so he says, so here's the encouragement. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what we understand is that the Father, as a way to keep us remaining in Christ, attached to Christ, abiding in Jesus, and he's going to do a work in your life. He's going to have seasons and moments and times in your life where it feels like loss. It feels like stripping away. It feels like heavy conviction. It feels like what the heck is going on right now? And we step back and we go, the Lord must be up to something. The Lord must be up to something in my life. And what I would want to do as somebody who is growing in spiritual maturity is I can kick and scream like a kid who isn't being given something that they want. And I can kick and I can go, mm, and I still do that. Or I can, I can pause and I can take a step back and I can go, I wonder what the Lord is doing right now. I wonder how he's pruning me right now. I wonder what he's sort of like pulling out of my grips and my mitts so that I can experience a deepening and a closeness to Jesus so that I can abide in him. Here's the third question that we're going to answer, which is what are the characteristics then of somebody who abides in Jesus? Well, there's three things. Number one, we covered this a little bit, but why not? Let's just go over it again. Uh, number one, they will bear much fruit. Didn't you just cover this? I did. I told you. We're going to go over it again. Um, the characteristics of someone who abides in Jesus is that they will bear much fruit. Jesus says that. R. Kent Hughes uh, commentator said, Jesus is looking for the fruit of his life in us. He says, the inward graces of the Holy Spirit should be present in us, not perfected in us, but they should be present in us. And this is where it gets a little sobering, right? Because we need to back away a little bit. We need to step back and we need to say, well, hold on. I'm not sure if any of that fruit is present in me. I know it's not perfected. It'll never be perfected. But is it present in you? And for you to have a concern about whether it's present in you is a sign that it's present in you. Right? Because there are people who can look like they're attached to the vine. They can look as if there are some remnants of fruit in their lives but in reality, they're just in a place of appearance rather than attachment. And we have to ask ourselves that question. You have to ask yourself that question. Am I somebody who is in Christ? Am I a branch that is attached to the vine that is Jesus Christ and is being pruned by God the Father, the gardener, the vine dresser? I got I to gotta be able to inspect the fruit of my life and maybe have somebody else help me do that. To say, hey, am I somebody who is actually connected to Jesus? Have I been saved? Or am I just doing this church thing? Am I just doing a Christianity thing? Am I just doing, a, I was born in a Christian family, went to Christian school, ate Christian food, wore Christian clothes, listened to Christian radio kind of a thing? We've got to ask that question. Jesus demands that we ask that question so that we're not fooling ourselves so that we're not just something that's dangling off of a branch, but not really a branch connected to the vine. Does that make sense? 
bearing much fruit, it means that your life is showing an increasing evidence that you are attached to Jesus, that you're growing in godliness. It doesn't mean you read a point, point of perfection. I got to probably stress that because it doesn't mean perfection, right? It's not just talking about evangelism either. How many people have I shared the gospel with? How many people have come to know Jesus through my sharing the gospel? Well, you don't control that anyway, right? So we got to be really careful here. It doesn't mean that you don't have moments where for all intents and purposes, you look like a dead branch. But it does mean that your life is generally and increasingly characterized by that inward fruit of the spirit, by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by the way, those fruits are for not only the glory of God and the benefit of you, but they play out for the good of others, right? Which is one of the evidences that you are bearing much fruit, even as you think through the fruit of the spirit that I just mentioned, right? In other words, think of it like this. Who is the recipient of your love for Jesus? Who, who receives the benefit of that, right? Whose spirits will be lifted because of your joy, the joy that you have because Christ has saved you? Who is benefited from the peace that you have in Christ that surpasses understanding? that you can pass to another person? Who has been blessed by your patient spirit, benefited from your patience in their life? Who will be encouraged by your kindness? Who will be drawn nearer to Jesus because of your goodness? Who will grow in their faith because of your faithfulness? Who might become more sanctified because of your self-control? How will that help somebody? And remember, all of these fruits you bear on your branches are, are because you're connected to the vine, right? The branch doesn't have any power on its own. It's that you are connected. And if you're not attached to the vine, we, hear, we read here that we can receive nothing. So we have to be attached. Without Jesus, there is no fruit. There is no godliness. It's kind of like a Christmas tree. Man, we're so close to the holidays, and I was glad I could use this illustration so early. But, um, man, I love Christmas ornaments. Melissa and I, we like to shop for old Christmas ornaments. It's super fun. Um, you judge me for worse things than that, but um, that's something I'm going to throw out there. Um, but a Christmas ornament is um, it's on the branch, right? We hang it on the branch, but it doesn't receive any of the life that the branch receives from the vine. It just hangs there. What that means is that as a person who's producing fruit, it also means that you're just a work in progress. It means that you're a work in progress. If you notice when we replaced this roof uh, a few months back, you know, the, the roof was still, it was still protecting us from the weather. It was still working. It was still protecting us from the rain. You know, all you guys didn't like walk out of here drenched, you know, every Sunday, right? The, the roof was still, it was still uh, fulfilling its role for the thing for which it was built, right? It was still protecting us from the rain and the weather, but there were leaks, right? And it was in decline, and it was something that needed to be replaced. It, it, needed, to become, it needed to become repaired. It needed to become replaced so that it could fulfill the, the role that it needs to have in our lives, which is to keep us dry. It just kind of matters, right? I just don't want to be standing here just soaking wet as I'm preaching to you every Sunday. And you don't want to be sitting there soaking wet. We want to be protected from the elements. But it was a work in progress. Was it still working? Yes. Did it need to be altered and edited? Yes. 
But sometimes things are beyond repair. They're, they're gone, you know. Um, I always like when we drive down some of these back roads through uh, Richland County or Ashland County, and you see these, these old barns. And they always look amazing to me because they're just, you can tell they haven't been used in 100 years and they're all dilapidated. And, but but there's, there's something about them that's just kind of fun to, to look at. And they are not, they are, they are not works in progress anymore. They are, they are not fulfilling the role for which they were once built, right? They probably need to be torn down. That lumber, that wood can be used for another purpose. And that's what Jesus is describing here about people that don't bear much fruit is that eventually, in the end, um, they're going to show that they were never attached to the vine. And that's a sobering thought that Jesus is laying out for his disciples and for us. And it's something that we have to take seriously, right? When we think about our relationship to Jesus, um, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, listen to what he says, talking about being attached, bearing fruit. He says, his divine power divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that, listen to this, through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So as we are connected to Jesus, the vine of Jesus, as his brand, we're bearing fruit. We're literally partaking of his nature. We are bearing the fruit that Jesus bore. Well, I want to bear fruit, Ronnie. Where, where do I begin? I mean, how do I do that? Where do I begin? Well, you begin by attaching yourself to Jesus and partaking of his nature by virtue of being attached to him, right? And this just happens by all the things that Jesus has given us to do it with, right? By taking in the nutrients of his word, like you're doing right now, right? Growing in a daily lifestyle of prayer and praise and repentance and thanksgiving. This is how you will be a fruit-bearing branch and give evidence that you're a disciple of Jesus. It's hard, but it's not complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. Jesus gave us these spiritual habits for us, for our good, right? So that characteristic of someone who abides in Jesus, they will bear fruit. Secondly, they will keep Jesus' commands. This is obedience. This is obedience. If you love me, you will keep the Father's commands as I have kept the Father's commands. But notice this. Notice this. Is that it's not based, this, this obedience is not based on legalities, right? It's based on love, he frames it in love, this obedience, because it comes from a father. It doesn't come from a boss. It doesn't come from a boss, right? A boss is someone that you have a transactional relationship with. They hire you to do a job. They pay you in return. And as long as you do what your boss tells you, you you're, you're good. You're good, you know, with some exceptions, right? You earn your paycheck. You keep your job. You stay in their good graces. Jesus does not portray God like a boss, but like a good father. We obey the commands of Jesus from the position of being loved by God, which is the same love that Jesus is loved by the father. This is why John tells us that his commands are not even burdensome in 1 John 5, 3. Why? Because it's framed by love. It's framed by love. These commands are given to us to obey so that 
our joy, your joy, my joy will not be at a deficit. Not be at a deficit. Labor is rarely burdensome when it is motivated by love. You guys know this. On a much lesser level, think about some of the tasks you do that would be burdensome to others who didn't share the same love. Right? Some of the things maybe you enjoy to do, maybe they're hobbies, maybe they're, they're work-related things, but you, but you do it for love of taking care of your family. You do it for, uh, because it's a hobby that you enjoy. You do these things that to somebody else, they'd be like, oh. But why isn't it like that for you? Because it's motivated by love. It's motivated by love. Obedience is the mark of someone who abides. And then thirdly, one of the characteristics of someone who abides in Jesus is that they will love others. And this is our final point. Jesus hones in. He, he takes a, a dive in on love for others and the nature of that love, which is that it's sacrificial. So Jesus wants us to know that the kind of love for others that bears much fruit will be a love that is willing to die. It'll be a love that is sacrificial by nature. Of course, Jesus was about to show them the depths of this kind of love, which is why he tells them that they are his friends, right? Jesus is not dying for obligatory reasons. He's not just fulfilling all the prophecies of the Old Testament so that he can check that box and get back to the Father in heaven, right? Are we good? Did I do it? Are we okay? Are we, did, I do, did I fulfill it? Okay, great. I'll see you guys later, right? That's, that's not what he did. He, he willingly and lovingly died for all that he chose to receive his salvation so that they might become his closest friends and bear much fruit. Think about the motivation there of Jesus coming to earth because of the people that he chose, that he wanted to receive the salvation but can't receive the salvation unless he, unless he goes to the cross. And now he's saying, I call you my friends. You're my friend now. Greater love has no one than when he lays his life down for his friends. So do you see, the, you see the sense of closeness that Jesus is trying to get to his disciples and to you? He's calling us his friends and he's saying, hey, this love that I have for you is so deep that it's gonna end in my willingness to die so that we can be friends, right? He could have said, no, really, guys, I, I love you, but I, you know, I got to get back up to heaven. But the cross proved how great his love was for us and his desire to be our friends. Romans uh, chapter 5 or 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This kind of love was given to us to give to others and we will show evidence of it when we stay attached to Jesus. Our love for others, it, it proves that we have been changed by God's love for us. All right, so what's interesting as we close is that Jesus tells us what our lives will look like when we are receiving all that God is for us in Christ. Now, it's important for us to notice that nowhere does he say, look, go bear fruit, go obey my commands, get out there and love others, and I'll check in on you and make sure you're staying organized. I think we think of God like that, right? 
we think of God not like a father. We think of him like a boss. Jesus is giving us the exact opposite illustration. He gives us the illustration of the vine and a branch so that we have clarity on, listen, on how the Christian life is even possible. A boss would tell you, just do it. A dad or a mom might say, hey, I'm here if you need me, go. But Jesus says, abide in me, stay attached to me. Don't disconnect from me because this is how fruit grows. And growing fruit is the mark of one of my disciples. Abide in Jesus. Stay attached to him. Whatever kind of pruning is going on in your life, whatever kind of distance that you are experiencing right now from Jesus, man, you can, you can, you can, Experience that closeness in a matter of one prayer, coming before the Lord, saying, Lord, I feel so distant. I feel like I'm being pruned. I feel like all these things are just, they're, they're twisting up my mind. I feel, I feel like I'm not close to you. I feel detached from you. I feel like I'm trying to get in with this church family and it's super difficult. I feel like my life is just disorganized in all these different ways. I feel like everything's a mess. I feel like there's things I need to repent of. There's things that I've just let go and it's making me sad. It's making me remorseful. That is the heart of somebody who is attached to the vine of Jesus. And that is somebody that can come before Jesus and say, Lord, would you just bring me closer? You can't reattach me because I'm already attached. But you can come to me. You can make your home with me. You can reassure me that you're with me and that I'm still with you. And if you need that reassurance right now, we're going to pray that the Lord would give it to you. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the vine. We are the branches. And that you gave us yourself to be attached to so that we could experience life and godliness, that we could bear much fruit. Or it doesn't always feel like we're bearing fruit. We go through seasons like winter when we're not bearing fruit. So our, our lives are not perpetual spring, Lord. But Lord, you also promise to preserve us through those times of winter, those times when our branches feel dead. And we don't see evidence of a lot of fruit. And so Lord, if, if there is somebody here that finds themselves in that place. And these verses, Lord, have just brought them to the end of themselves in some very significant ways. If they're desiring or to experience that closeness with you, if they don't see a lot of fruit in their life, but they know they're attached to you, Lord, we pray that you would encourage them. We pray that you draw them near to you today in these difficult seasons where you are maybe testing them and refining them. Lord, if there are some people here that have never really been attached as a branch to your vine, maybe they've been attached to a branch like the way a Christmas ornament is attached, but they've never really been a branch that is receiving the nutrients of salvation 
And all that comes with that, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those desires that we have to grow in Christ and to be more like him and to be a reflection of those characteristics. Lord, I pray that you would draw those that find themselves in that place to your salvation, that they would see that they desperately need to become a branch that is connected to your vine and that it requires them just to go before you and acknowledge that and to repent and you will connect them immediately. Lord, we pray for that salvation. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us, Lord, in whatever place we find ourselves. Lord, that we would be a church that would bear fruit in keeping with repentance and reflecting the salvation that we have in Christ. And Lord, that we would be further equipped, further encouraged, or to scatter today and to be those lights in this community, Lord, to show people that we are bearing fruit, not because we are branches that have fulfilled our own purposes, Lord, but because we are deeply connected, deeply attached to you. Because without that, we really can do nothing. So Lord, humble us today, bring some sobriety into our lives, but encourage us in that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.